0: I don't think we ever want to get away from that. Our business is based on talking to people. I still want to pick up the phone. Andy wants to pick up the phone. We want our, our sales team to pick up the phone because when they speak to us, they can get a feel for us. Whereas if you're just ordering on a website, then it's hard to get a feel for a company. Don't get me wrong. We want to launch a website. We want to be able to sell online. I think that's the way the market's going to be going. So we want to be in there when that happens. But we still want to hold our original values and speak to our customers, build relationships with people and not just be a person behind a computer. When we first started dealing with George Fisher, they, they've got a really complex discount structure. And I remember just giving away loads of stuff and nothing because I didn't understand the, the structure.
1: Episode five, the Metal Guys Talk Business podcast with Flowcon.
2: Yeah, 2021,
1: another one. Yeah, good podcast this one.
2: Yeah, it was good. Oh, well, I enjoyed it because it, it reminded me more of what it was like when I was running a two business. Two podcasts
1: in one day, this was, wasn't it? It was. Went from Sustain to Flowcon. Two in one day. Double podcast day. It was. Because so I, I went in my own car and I couldn't find them. Kept driving past. Amazingly, you know, I found the Greggs. There's loads of them in South Wales. Always find the Greggs. There,
2: there's loads of them everywhere. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Not the Gregs. No,
1: no, no. Yeah. yeah great business isn't it yeah you know, basically I mean the bloke who wanted it uh, to uh, go and get an iPad not an iPad an iMac set it up <laughs> I know, <yeah. laughs> you know he
2: just... gave him an order he said oh yeah but if you don't if you don't turn up with a MacBook Pro um, in the next hour <laughs> yeah, I'll pull the order <laughs> I know I
1: know it's
2: but classic. that's it they, they, you know I mean it was hilarious wasn't it when they were saying that they've supplied what a bale of hay and you know
1: yeah but that's what it's about sometimes just People just need you to pick stuff up. People need you to just trade. People rely on you to have a supply chain, so they don't need to worry about it. And now they're, you know, they're an advocate of that, aren't they? You know, if you look at just sell what the customer needs, just just do it, take away the headaches, and that's that's what they're about, aren't they?
2: Well, that unit, I mean, they're they're ram now. You
1: know, I was gonna say, yeah, don't get me wrong, they hold a lot of stock, don't mm-hmm. they? You know, you look at what the investment they've put in within the casto saw.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got the saw. you have got a saw in there. They've got four threading machines in there now. Um, they just put a mezzanine in a couple of weeks ago. So they're running out of space, and yeah. it's massive.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, really so, interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, doing really Second well. Second gen.
1: Wow, well,
2: I think the lads. You know, they've been in that business. You know, since they were kids, really, haven't they? So they just they they just get it, don't they? They get their market. They get what they're about as a business, and I think they understand where they are position wise. Within the sector, I think sometimes companies have got this idea that they're at a certain level, whereas they they're pitching to the the kind of customer base that they, they should be working with. I think what's what'll be interesting is seeing how they move to that next level, um, which I know that they already have been. You know, they're getting those bigger accounts and they're getting those kind of people that are spending hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. But it's kind of then repositioning your business to be able to still service the life out of your core business. And move yeah. up to that next level as well, and get the bigger boys in.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. that will do it. I just keep they just service the hell out of everything, don't they? I? I think
2: so. Yeah, I think so. But Pretty yeah, good.
1: take a listen to the pod. See what we think.
2: Hi guys. Hey, recording the fifth podcast of the second series in South Wales with Flocon. Flocon have been operating for just over 31 years now, and they're based in the Tree Forest Industrial Estate, which is near Cardiff, in Wales, in the UK. We're joined by Craig and Andy. Craig and Andy are the two sons of Dave and Nigel, who were two of the original three founding partners of the business. Matt, who's the other one, has hidden he's decided to book holiday rather than be on the pod. And Flocon, our distribution company, they distribute valves, pipes and fittings and uh, doing a pretty good job of it. This is the third building, right?
3: Yeah, third location in Tree Forest. We started on one side of the river, then moved onto the main drag of the industrial estate and now we're in our third location now. So what are your kind of early memories of this? Because you've grown up knowing this business. What, What age are you two
0: now? 38 34 so you've pretty much known it, your whole we worked here since we were kids saturdays we did saturdays with our dads when they were doing invoicing so we've been here in and out a long time yeah did you know that
1: you was always going to kind of work within the business when you was at school what did you want to do
0: me personally
3: i never had plans to work here i always enjoyed coming up here and doing bits on a saturday and doing some bits in the school holidays but i always wanted to do my own thing
1: what was that going to be?
3: Personally, I wanted to go into retail management for some reason and then realised it messed with my Saturdays and the football. I thought, well, this is never going to work. Yeah. So uh, then needed to find a career that was more Monday to Friday.
1: Yeah, just so you could watch Swansea.
3: Never. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Mighty Bluebirds. And yeah, I went from there. And my first sort of delve into the industrial world was with BSS. I was with BSS Cardiff for about three years. And that's where they started from there. And it was, it was great. I loved working there and I wanted to progress and, and do my own thing with that company. I think people thought that it was convenient. Yeah, that worried I'd... like at
2: BSS. Did they think oh, I is a bit of a unusual
3: appointment? I think they did. And, you know, I started off in the warehouse there and that's where I started learning things. And I really enjoyed it. I did sort of want to stay with BSS and want to do my own thing. I knew Flocon were there and, you know, doing there a bit, but I never actually had plans to come here, although people may think otherwise.
1: I suppose Flocom was a different business now when you was there, surely? or?
3: Yeah, probably 18 years ago now, but yeah, it was a lot smaller. You know, we've grown significantly since then. Yeah. And then things just developed from there. I ended up probably not progressing quick enough in BSS for me to go forward. I had a mate to a football who ran his own business near Cardiff Docks, Hydraulics and Pneumatics Company, and I went to work for him for a couple of years then after leaving BSS, so I learned a little bit more on other products and ranges, and then. Eventually, the call came from Nigel and Dave saying, you've spent sort of five, six years in this industry. How would you fancy joining Flocon? And basically, you thought the opportunity was too good to turn down and the rest is history, as they say.
1: So your dad headhunted you, is that what you He you're did, he did.
3: <laughs> he probably knocked on my bedroom door, I can't remember. Yes.
1: Yeah. did he come <laughs> up with his turkey dinosaurs yeah. and his smally faces with a bit of ketchup and go, yeah, hey, son, awesome. fancy a job?
3: Yeah, actually, actually saying that, no, I was living on my own at the time, so uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't still at home. Uh, my, my dad the same, he rang me.
2: I was at work did he ring you at bss on the bss number
3: no because i was with uh no i'd left bss and i was kind of called bsp bsp new at x it was great good outfit bob penny
2: my old man phones when yeah i was at work and i got another like three people training with me so he gave him the phone call he's like oh Pete, when are you going to run your out in? i was like oh you joker you can't there uh, <laughs> <laughs> trainees on the line and uh yeah yeah left immediately <laughs> Yeah. I think sometimes its it's just a good opportunity, isn't it? I think when it's when it's family and they come knocking, you just have to kind of go with it. yeah,
3: that was the thing. I always wanted to do you know make my own way and and do it, but like you said it was the opportunity and knowing that you could grow with a company, you know, the company I think was at that point where they were looking to potentially expand because the business was coming in and they needed someone and it helped who I was, don't get me wrong, but you know I'd had a little bit of industry
0: experience, so yeah, sort of fitted the bill and, and in I came.
1: How did it go for you then, Craig? Was you just from
0: school. No, I again, I was doing my own thing and never really had any intention to come and work for FlowCon. Ended up working in the haulage industry, which was not pleasant.
1: Can't imagine it's so much better now at the moment, even. No,
0: no. So yeah, it was hard graft, and like Andy as well. Eventually, sort of got a call a couple of years later after sort of finding our own way through early employment, which is always interesting. So I came in with no experience. So I didn't know an elbow from a T at that point. I learned from the bottom up as a driver, a warehouse person, I worked in the accounts team, I worked on the sales desk and ended up where I am now. So I've had the sort of three sixty experience through the whole business and learned most of the aspects of how we operate and go forward now. Probably got the base knowledge for for everything to sort of take over really isn't it when your dad's set the business up you know they're just having a
2: having a go aren't they really at that stage how many years in do you think they were before they realized like we need to put a bit of succession planning in here because essentially that's what it is isn't it? it's like we've got a business up to a certain level we want the boys to come in now and actually push things forward for us and then how long was that transition from you guys coming in To learn what they were doing and then obviously start putting your own spin on it and then
0: politely ask your parents to leave we haven't quite got to that stage yet not yet still work 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 in progress in fairness to dave knight and phil they had the foresight that they had to put a plan in place and since we joined the company 12 years ago now that plan has been in place and has been running live until this point now and I'd say since COVID, it's probably given us the opportunity to take over in their absence because they haven't actually been able to be here. So it's given us the kick that we needed to go to the next level and also them to give us the reins, if you like, and help push it on ourselves.
1: No, when Pete says there a succession plan, was it their succession plan when they both told you about the opportunity or was it just a matter if they needed some people to come into work, the sons were kind of there, you obviously had your industry experience, you didn't like your job and it kind of come in that way and then it happened because just because you got given the job doesn't mean that you had the attitude to then take over is it? You've had to almost grow with the business and probably develop yourselves, haven't you really?
0: The plan was there all along but we probably weren't aware of it from the beginning Eventually, they were working with a consultant, and the consultant was doing sessions with the three of us—me, Matthew, and Andrew—and then that then grew into more responsibility for us and taking on different parts of the job. And they sort of eased us in, whether they meant to or not, and it really helped us get to where we are now. So, what was it like? I mean, I've had the
2: luxury of being here quite a lot over the last couple of years, particularly the last year, and seeing where your business is now, and obviously it looks fantastic. And things are going really well for you clearly but what was it like when you joined and then did you have the idea that you could push the business to where it is now and obviously further at that point
3: absolutely i think we were always aware that we were operating at a certain level but us as individuals we knew that people may look at us that all right you know the business was started by your fathers it's an easy ride for you but we were always at the point that right we're at this level We need to get to such and such level, and then we want to take it on further again. You know, for instance, our business has probably more than doubled, probably trebled in the last 10 years, you know, and we haven't stopped yet. We were always keen to put our own stamp and drive the business forward ourselves. So I think Nigel and have given us a great platform, but we've definitely taken it on to another level. People can't accuse us of just riding off their coattails. We've got to progress and keep striving to grow and improve things and do things sort of our way. What was the business like at the point that you were both first getting in there? What would you
0: say that it looked like comparatively to where we are today? It was a family business then. There wasn't as many staff as we've got now. It was 10 to 12 people all knew each other for a long time because they've been working together for years and years. And like I said, they just started it up, give it a go and it did well. But as you grow, as you take on more staff, responsibilities grow. You have to do things differently sometimes. You can't just wing it. (laughs) You have to prepare and you have to do things properly. So yeah, I think we sort of probably had a big hand in that really as we grew as a company, putting processes in place that we didn't have before, putting systems in place to make things easier for ourselves and finding the right people then to progress a company, which has got us to where we are.
2: This podcast is sponsored by the UK Metals Expo. After the successful launch of this event in 2022, the UK Metals Expo will be back at the NEC in Birmingham on the 13th and 14th of September 2023. For podcast listeners, you can secure a 20% discount for booking a stand by quoting the Metal Guys Talk Business when speaking to the event organisers about booking. The UK Metals Expo is an industry event connecting the full supply chain from primary metal manufacture through supply chain, processing, fabrication, surface coating, and all the way through to recycling. Effectively, as they used to say in the old days, from melt To market With full endorsement from the UK Metals Council, its trade members and other industry bodies, the show had great initial credentials and has the potential, in my opinion, to become a huge annual event in the UK, drawing exhibitors and attendees from across the UK and further overseas. With free-to-attend seminars taking place inside the show, it's definitely an event not to be missed by anyone with a career in or around the metal industry. We certainly enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing you in 2023. But for now, let's get back to the podcast. You
1: no, know, when you took over, I think you said it was a two million pound business. Was it when you joined the company? Or yeah, when you, it was two, two something. Yeah. I, think,
3: I can't quite remember at the time. So obviously,
1: okay. as you're starting to develop it, I like you said you've more than doubled it. What kind of headaches was that bringing to your fathers? Because I'd imagine like they were kind of thinking you've got three bastards coming in now.
3: One of uh, take Cardiff on. I think Nigel's favourite term was uh, "it's a runaway train," basically. How many times he used to keep saying that we got to slow it down and calm down a little bit. It's running away with this type thing. But yeah, there were times where it was a bit crazy and busy, but we were happy to deal with that and just run with it as we went along. Basically, I think.
0: Yeah, I think being on the younger side, we were able to take more capacity where they were slowing down a little bit. We were just starting and speeding up, so we were taking on more and more business, making more and more commitments. You know, more vehicles, more people, more staff, and uh, yeah. <laughs> It was scary to them, I think, at the beginning, but we always knew what we wanted to get to. And we're still not quite there, but we're we're not far away.
1: Did they, was on board with it? Obviously there must have been, because you you sat here today, turn over a lot more, but you know, like those times when you are trying to be the runaway train, they were almost trying to pull you back and say, Blimey, calm down.
0: We needed that as well, though, because we could have just let it run away, but they were our our balance. They helped guide us in the right direction but we had the enthusiasm to push it as well. Whereas they didn't probably have that enthusiasm at their age or stage in life. So it needed all of us, all five of us, or six of us when Phil was with us. It gave us all that balance then to make Flocon what it is now. I think when I started working
2: with my dad, um, probably you can relate more to this, Craig, than Andy. Um, I didn't know anything about the industry. So I kind of came in and I got some life experience and work experience. But it took me a while to actually start to feel like I understood the industry and actually could add some value. See, on your side, Andy, you just came in and immediately you, you could pick it up. Yeah, yeah. But were there any frustrations? Because I think when you when you start to try and push forward, and I'm not trying to, say, take a pop at your dad's or anything like that, but were there things that, you know, between you, Matt, and Andy, that you were looking at and it was almost like the, the three of you were kind of against them, that there was that, that kind of rub? Or or was that balance really important?
3: We've been lucky really throughout, haven't we? We've not really had any major
0: instances or clashes at all. I mean, you have the odd little... Little disagreements, but but... on the whole, I think as a family, I suppose we are all related, the five of us. We get on well, and there isn't any friction, really. I think if you disagree with something, you can also see the other side of it as well. And we've always had that appreciation that, you know, everyone's in it for the good of the company and they're not trying to do it for themselves. Mm. So we've always had a good balance on that side of
1: things. How's the relationship been built between the two of you? Obviously, as that kind of the later and longer you've worked in the company, did was there like a moment where you thought, okay, the three of us are gonna be the future and then you kind of built a strong relationship on the back of that? Or you know, how did that kind of get built? I don't know. I mean me and Craig have grown
3: up together really there's only four years between us so in our teens and early years we were always sort of going out and watching a football and doing things together so we've always had a stronger relationship yeah Matt who's been in the business for 25 years he was my cousin but we didn't have it as close a relationship it we wasn't built a, like a social relationship, relationship no. it was a, a social no. relationship we built the relationship as we've worked together but I don't know we just got on you know if there are any issues we iron it out and we, we get it sorted we've never really had any major conflict to deal with we've just been fortunate in that sense but I think You know, we work together to get the outcome that we need. How about the team? Because you've got Dave, Nige
2: and Phil who've set the business up. When I've been coming up and saying, you've got people who've been here like 25, 30 years, some of your staff. So they weren't your staff. No. These are the guys that came in and worked for your parents. And then you lot turn up with all your ideas of grandeur and we're going to take the world on as best we can. How did that sit?
0: And maybe a bit more for you, Craig, because you're coming in you don't know jack how did you deal with that i was an employee to begin with i was the boss's son if you like but i wasn't coming in as a director i wasn't coming in as a manager i was an employee i was out driving i drive up and down the country around south wales i was in the warehouse getting dirty i still work in the warehouse now it's i think it was the best grounding i could have asked for coming into a company where you don't know anything because i had to do everything and i had to prove to every other employee that's already been there, that I can do this. And I don't think if I came in with some experience that I would have got that. And I've probably got more out of it now than is that why you get
2: better on than Andy does with all the lads' things? Andy, Andy just came straight in with his uh, bag of names.
3: I started driving. I was in the warehouse too before I went you into sales and justify? I'm so just, I'm just, I'm just saying, Pete, you know, I didn't just walk into a lovely office. I started He's driving the warehouse and all that.
0: So, yeah, you know.
1: Pete's judging you on his experience of working for a family-run business. Pete was in the attic selling loads of material.
0: I would say, though, that the staff that were there when we joined have probably been one of the biggest hurdles to get them to appreciate us as a manager or a director going forward because they've been here so long.
1: Well, you've tripled the business, mate, They're working harder,
0: <laughs> that's the reason. Changed all the systems,
3: changed the computers.
1: They don't like the change. They think you're a bunch of mavericks. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, but I think, you know, we've always treated them with respect. They've always treated us with respect and they've always seen the effort, you know, because obviously where we are position-wise in the business, we've always got to work longer and harder than anyone else. And we always make sure that that's the case. We're never coasting, put it that way. So uh, we've
1: all, we've always We're got to do in a nice work. environment as well, aren't they? The offices here, to that I'm like, it's nice. I mean, compared to what <laughs> we work in or what I've worked in in the stockholder industry, you know, where yeah, like you know,
3: yeah. Well, it's developed from uh, when Nigerian Day first started, in not Well, 1990 when they keep telling us They started with a plank of wood and two seats or something, basically, wasn't it?
0: Two breeze blocks and a plank of wood, I think they say, yeah, don't they? And
3: a
1: phone either end. Yeah. So
0: uh, yes, losses, uh,
3: yeah, it's yeah. developed the lot Yeah, it's developed a lot since then.
1: Obviously, um, as it says, flowcon valves, pipes, and fittings. But you also keep saying, we don't say no to anything. There must have been some really random inquiries you've had. What's the strangest thing that you've delivered? We seem to get random inquiries every day, to be honest.
3: We're a helpful sort of company. We're not the sort of company who says, no, that's not in our range. Sorry, we can't help. We're always like, well... Can you give us any more information? Have you got anything that we can sort of go with and run with? And if we can find it and source it, then we'll do it. So we do a lot of specialist sourcing as well. In terms of random things that we've sourced, lists. We've sold a bale of hay. We've sold bird boxes. You you know, <laughs> just these are just two things that crop... You know, to to what
1: kind of margins you sell a bailer higher? Yeah, I mean,
3: I'm running a 60% on that. Yeah, <laughs> we sold it per straw. Yeah. Per straw, yeah. I don't know. We, probably, we bought it for a tenner and sold it for 20, probably. I think, yeah. uh, you know, probably more hassle than it was worth. But if we can help someone out and they say, oh, look, random inquiry, can you source this? Can you do it? Yeah, we'll do it. If we spin it now and talk about
2: the progression you know you guys have taken over the business you kind of mentioned there that the boys who run it before dave Nigel and phil were working with a consultant prior to you guys coming in so they obviously decided look the business has grown to a certain point and it's definitely something that happens with your business that the business grows and then you have to get better you have to become better because you're working in it but it doesn't mean you're actually educating or pushing yourselves any further forward so obviously your parents realized that they needed to do a bit of that but how have you guys done that? Because you've really tried to embrace tech, but there seems to be a lot that's going on with the business. So talk about maybe how you've got better and what you've been doing with the
0: business to keep pushing it forward, not just selling more. Yeah, I think from our conversations, me and Jan, Matt, we were having regular meetings with this consultant and he was pushing us really. He knew the path that we were going to take before we knew the path. So he was yeah. pushing us to be the people that we needed to be for Dave and I to fulfill the exit strategy. So we were sort of being pushed hard to progress a company, make changes, don't accept the norm. You can't progress without making change. And we were changing the computer systems, the processes, anything where we could make things slicker, smoother, faster, we were trying to implement it. And you do get a bit of kickback from that, because like I say, if you've got staff that have been there for a long time, they don't like change. They like doing what they do, going along and getting on with their day as they used to. But the changes we've made now are still present to this day and are working and we're still adapting every week, every month to make things better, slicker, faster, smoother. And that way you can increase your capacity faster.
2: Have you like raised your game yourself? So obviously you're working in sales. Mm-hmm. You've done a bit of sales before, but have you tried to do things external to work to just keep on your
3: game or keep on your toes, really? We mentioned a consultant. I mean, he's a coach really and he's someone that we still use now. So we're still having coaching now. You know, we we still well aware that there's lots of we gotta learn and, and there's still things that we can improve on. So, you know, we're still having regular coaching sessions now as individuals and, and as a three. You know, we like to do A lot of planning and getting
0: things down on paper. In the last sort of couple of plans that we've gone through, we've sort of come to fruition. When we wrote them, we thought we've got no chance of it in these targets. And a couple of years down the line, you look back at them and think, well, we smashed that.
2: How did you do it?
0: There's no formula, there's no magic formula. I think we just work really hard.
3: We all, get on. We've we got a we great team on. behind us. We've got some great people here now. We like to handpick specifically the people who come and join us. We always do the recruiting ourselves. It never goes out in an advert or different things. It's always through people we know or word of mouth or people who come and approach us and say, Any jobs going? A lot of it, you
2: mentioned it, hard work, you've been grafted. But do you feel the pressure as well because you've been given the opportunity to do it? Do you find that there is a pressure with that to
3: kind of perform and succeed? Definitely. I always think there's pressure. We feel under pressure, you know, every
0: year we've got to deliver and we always want to keep beating what we've done. You can't rest on what you've done the previous yeah. year. Every time you put in your final year accounts and you're back to zero on that 1st of March, which it is for us, it's a scary feeling and you still get that every year. But hopefully we've got the structure now and got the people in place that we can keep building on it. Yeah, and in terms of ownership, I mean, that part's not even been decided. Yes, we're
3: directors now, but we've still got Nigel and Dave at the end of the day. They've built a successful business. We've grown upon it, but they still need their rewards from it as well. So, you know, there'll come a point that we're going to have to buy them out and put something in place. I won't go into too much detail there because we don't know ourselves, but they deserve to get rewarded for what they've done. And we've got to carry on and keep earning the money so we can eventually sort something out.
0: Yeah.
2: So what have been the big successes or, you know, the fun things that have happened since you've kind of joined? Is there anything that really stands out where you think, I can't believe we got in with that particular type of account or that was just incredible that we managed to pull off this particular job? You know, what have been the big wins
3: for you? We get on with people, don't we? We just try to be decent people to deal with. That's as simple as it is. We don't do anything particularly special. You know, a lot of our customers are are almost like mates. We've got some great relationships and we know that. Yes, price is important, but it's not always down to price. It's the relationships for us, which has always been huge. And we've always been a company who wants to build and grow our relationships with our customers.
0: And our staff as well is giving them a good environment to work in. I'd like to think that it's a fun place to work. We're not rigid that some companies can be, larger companies. We're a flexible company. We can make decisions on the spot. We can buy them lunch or put a ping pong table in or you
2: know. This podcast is sponsored by Amron Architectural. Amron Architectural are a company that I've been working with for nearly two years now and the business has grown rapidly over that time. Um, Very experienced staff, uh, very knowledgeable within the architectural interior design space. Um, The ethos of the company is to kind of Inspire choice, engage, uh, and work with metals and meshes of all different types. They work with classic woven meshes all the way through to bespoke profile cladded panels, and uh, you know the experience of the guys there is, I, I would say, it's it's right up there in the um, in the UK. They've developed a full range of systems for all aspects of internal and external environments, from bespoke ceilings, gantry systems specialized petitions to large external facade systems and pretty much everything in between um, I think the thing that strikes me about these guys is um, they're they're interested in clients ideas they like to talk to clients they like to know what's happening and develop the systems that fit with the with the trends but also the design requirements um, of the architects in the industry and the and the clients so yeah a company that definitely going places it's great to have them as a as a sponsor of the podcast um and if you're looking to create those exciting internal external designs then um these are the guys to talk to
1: you know within like the 12 years was that you've been working here now was it 12 did you say i don't even know what it is 12. you know within those 12 years was there a moment where you're like we just get this now you almost just clicked and at that point, it's just started growing. Or was there a particular moment for either of you where you just thought, okay, this is it now where you put targets in and started to push.
0: Felt more like your company than perhaps your father's, if that makes sense. We've been targeting ourselves from, I don't know, maybe year three mm. since we joined. So having targets and trying to hit targets, even as salespeople that we were then, to directors that we are now, has felt natural to us. Yeah, it's something that we've always been used to. I
3: think the biggest jump has been moving to this building i mean we've been here now nearly two years but i think this has been where we really felt that we've taken over i would say properly in the last two years because from Nigel Day's point of view i think they would have stayed in our previous unit they didn't really have the ambition or the, or the want to go anywhere else because they didn't need to but we were at a point we saying right we can't stay in this building any longer we're bursting at the seams we either stay where we are or we're going to struggle to grow going forward. So we were a big driver in basically getting them to invest in this new building and facility. So I think it was from when we come in here that that's where things started to turn I think more a, that we were running the show, so to speak, and they, they let us go with it basically, didn't they, I think?
0: Yeah, it was an eye-opener for a lot of people. I think both customers that we dealt with previously that we used to come into our old place and customers that hadn't been to our old place and came here, and the same for suppliers as well. All of a sudden, they were looking at this massive building with amazing facilities thinking, are you a national company? And we're like, no, it's just one of us. Is that any
1: plans to be more than FlowCon? More than, was that, was that something? Was
0: there? Don't
3: get me wrong, it's hard enough trying to run one location, to be honest. But, you know, there has been times where you can say, do think, "Well, oh, could we replicate this in other locations? I don't know. It's a potential strategy for us going forward through either setting up or, you know. It's, it's not off having, the cards, yeah. is it?
0: But at the moment, it's definitely not on the table.
3: Not at the moment. we still got more to do here first, and this is always going to be our main focus. But you never say never, whether we'd set up, whether through acquisition potentially, there could be options going forward. But until we feel like we've got it nailed on and we know what we're doing here, I think we'll see how things progress.
1: Obviously, over the last 18 months, we've been going through a pandemic. How was that for yourselves, like last March? and Now, how's that changed the business, if any?
0: Yeah, it was hard. It wasn't easy for anyone. I think it was the unknown. Nobody knew what was going to happen in March last year. Myself, I had to isolate because my wife was pregnant. So I spent six months out of the building and came back then in August last year. So I think for Andrew and Matt, it was really hard because it was them against the world and they had a stressful couple of months and I felt guilty that I was stuck at home doing as much as I could do but I couldn't do what they were doing here yeah looking back it was when everything fell apart that March
3: it was difficult because Craig got twice late because yeah because his wife was pregnant Mm -hmm. Nigel and Dave had to stay at home because of their ages and for medical reasons so it was just sort of left to me and Matt here and it was a scary time we did have to furlough some staff at the time because we didn't know where things were going so we were in this big building we had been here less than six months and all of a sudden, there's just a few of us rattling around thinking, what's happening to the world? What's going to happen next? So, looking back, it was very uncomfortable, especially the April specifically was tough. But we always had a reason to keep sort of trading. We deal with a lot of hospitals direct, a lot of food manufacturing, waste, and energy companies. So, the business, we're fortunate, you know, we're way more fortunate than the hospitality industry and other people that we've always had the business there. Now, it took a little dip in the April, May, but things started coming back fairly quickly for us because things had to keep happening i can't imagine being in other industries but for me i've always come to work yes covid's been here but it's been normal i've I've never not stopped coming so it's nice for for a routine point of view but yeah it it was scary but we got through it and the rest of the year really come back with a bang and and we got back to where we
1: were pretty quickly really didn't we how have you found it of like there's obviously a lot of talk about it's hard to get materials, and obviously got customers in those industries you mentioned which are obviously demanding industries. How's it been from the kind of sourcing materials well, is you, do you found world. that hard obviously prices have gone up, but
0: it's been hard managing the prices because they're just all over the place at the moment, so managing the prices on a daily and weekly basis, keeping on top of them, making sure we're still able to make money on the products that we're selling that are on the shelf but sourcing the products. Luckily, we've got a large supply chain, so we haven't had too many difficulties sourcing the products we need when we need them. They might be more expensive, but we could still buy them. So I think we're probably at the, the worst of, that it's been right now, and it could get worse. So we'll try and prepare for that as much as possible. But yeah, touch wood. we've been lucky so far being able to source what we need. How do you think the market's been changing?
2: I mean, if we ignore COVID, almost wiped that for a minute. How do you think the market's changed since you guys have been in and where do you see it going,
0: going forward? To label the market, it's difficult for us because we work in so many different sectors, it really does peak and trough and where One product's not selling one month, something else is, and seem to be able to level out the peaks and troughs throughout the year, selling products that cross different industries and deal with customers across different industries as well. So we seem to have a consistent sort of monthly turnover with not too many peaks or troughs, which is good for business, really.
2: But do you think that the industry that you joined, I mean again, if you look back at when you were, say, at BSS as well, do you think the way the buyer behaviour is
3: different now, the way people are purchasing is different, the way people are supplying or not? I think people are a lot more aware of price. Obviously, you know, you can pretty much price up anything on the internet these days like you said before, it's not always about price. Yes, price is important, but it's the service and the, the aftercare and everything else that goes with
0: it. I think you deal with people that have been in the industry 30 years and they're used to ordering over the phone. Oh yeah, just stick my name on it. And then you have other jobs where you've got to wait for the PO and it might take three weeks to process because it's got to get signed off by seven people before you get it. And that's a benefit and a downside to growth, I suppose.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Anglo Stainless. Anglo Stainless are a stockholder of pipe fittings and flanges based in the UK. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Anglo Stainless for well, for many years actually. Uh, I've experienced the quality of their materials and service first hand with um, thousands of items in stock from low pressure BSP all the way through to high pressure forge fittings as well as butt weld, hygienic, gaskets, pipes, valves and flanges to suit. They're a great place to find the products you need all in one place. They've got a really experienced team supplying products across the UK and also overseas. But for more details, check out the podcast show notes or give them a call. Uh, they can well recommend it from me and will be a great addition to anyone's supplier network. Order with confidence from the team at Anglo Stainless. But now, let's get back to the podcast. So I'm thinking more on the digital side, because I know that's a thing that you're trying to push soon, getting websites up and starting to sell a little bit more online. But do you think that that's more how your business will go, that you'll get a little bit more away from John who rings up and he just gives you a verbal with no prices?
0: I don't think we ever want to get away from that. Our no. business is based on talking to people. I still want to pick up the phone. Andy wants to pick up the phone. We want our, our sales team to pick up the phone, because. When they speak to us, they can get a feel for us. Whereas if you're just ordering on a website, then it's hard to get a feel for a company. Don't get me wrong. We want to launch a website. We want to be able to sell online. I think that's the way the market's going to be going. So we want to be in there when that happens, but we still want to hold our original values and speak to our customer's build relationships with people and not just be a person behind a computer.
1: Does the online just give you more scale of distributing across the country and Europe and obviously wherever these inquiries, further afield, I would imagine. Is that what's in mind when you're I going online? Your traditional the customers absolutely. here are like, great, yeah. we we'll, we'll deal with you. But then if an inquiry comes from Aberdeen for something you've got, you can put it on Interlink and it's gone. You, yeah. You're like, that's the work you wouldn't be getting now because you're yeah, not seeing those absolutely. inquiries. Yeah. And I think
3: yeah. that's how we're treating, sort of <laughs> going to treat the, the website and that side of things that it's, it's, it's almost going to be like another division of the business. You know, we still want to keep our sort of, core values and principles in the day-to-day stuff. But yeah, it's just widening our net and just gives us the potential to sell into other areas and offer our product. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people, if they don't quite know where to go source something, the first thing they do is, is, is
1: go online. Do you have that set up now? You know, a lot of people who are listening to the podcast. Obviously, you've done a lot of media work with Pete and obviously going to go in the magazine, that will be released later on this year. How are you set up? You could distribute now anywhere in the UK.
3: I'll be honest, we're all over the shop now in terms of deliveries. I mean, at the end of the day, if we can supply the right price and for the right margins that we need to do, we'll supply anywhere in the country now. I mean, our core business is South Wales, but we're over the bridge every single day. I mean, we're regularly in Bristol and Avermouth. We're quite often down sort of Southampton and Plymouth. We're up
0: in Stafford. So we're covering a lot of areas already, but this is just a scope to sort of further enhance that, I think. That's just on our vehicles as well. We've got... Boxes going out every night, pallets going out every night. And then when our website goes live, e-commerce site, then we're hoping to increase that parcel business as well, sending the boxes out uh, further and wider and in larger quantities.
2: Steve wanted to saw.
0: You bought the a sewer and painted it. No, we got it vinyl wrapped how did you know like a flashy car with big wheels yeah it wasn't gold plated put some stickers on it unfortunately it was tangerine orange (laughs) What's the crack (laughs) we're all about added value we want to add value to our customers we want them to see the value in what we're doing like andy said it's not just about price it's about offering that full service to the customer and steve came to us with an idea about the saw and we could see that adding value to our existing customers and also bring in new business as well. So we decided to give it a go. We've got it up and running now and it's been operational two or three weeks now. Done some great jobs already on it. And we've already given big customers value already, which is exactly what we wanted it for. And now we can sort of start looking at the new business that we could offer and the new sectors we can work in to start making some revenue off it as well. When do you think you'll run out of space, here? Soon. I've got a bet with Lewis in the sales office that we'll have a mezzanine floor by the end of next year. That was one of the things when we
3: first came to look at this building, obviously we were looking at different sites. We're known for being in Treforest for just over 30 years and we didn't want to leave Treforest because for us it's a great location. We're just north of Cardiff, we're on the M4 you know we got the, all the valleys everywhere within south wales is within reach within you know 30 minutes go but take to all the the major towns and cities of south wales and then when we came to look at this building when we walked around it it was lovely but we went into the warehouse and we thought it's great but it's too big it's too big for us but basically we didn't have much choice because there was nothing else available on the estate so we took the punt and went for it and here we are not even 2 years later and I I can't believe our full things are so uh, that helped you as well do you think that
2: again by coming in here because you didn't just come in and spend no money you've spent a few quid making it right
0: i think if we were going to do it we were going to do it properly first time there wasn't going to be oh we'll do that room this year and we'll do this room next year and we'll sort the warehouse the year after so if we're going to buy this building and we're going to push this company forward we're going to do it properly so we made sure that the image was right and we put that all in action then over a six month period while working between the two buildings and yeah it's just given us so much more room to maneuver both operationally and physically we've put in more product we're able to offer better service now to our customers because we've got more items on the ground bigger range of items larger quantities of the items so it's just helped kick us on to that next level
2: if money was no object do you think you'd Really invest a lot more heavily in stocks. You just didn't have to rely so much on things coming in.
3: I think if space was no object, (laughs) we would invest
2: (laughs) more.
0: Because
3: you seem to be just turning it that quick. It can be crazy at times. Certain weeks that the the gear coming in and out. But I think you know, Craig looks. You look after that operational side of things, and I think you've got a really good handle on it. You know, we do sometimes run a little bit close to the bone with with certain things, but generally we we you we get it right more often than not i believe
0: yeah i'd like to think so i think the systems that we put in place for collecting the couriers that's shaved like four or five hours off a day waiting for a parcel to arrive just come pick it up at six o'clock in the morning you're ready to go so i think if we could put more stock in then we will and we would but we'll do it over time when we're ready yeah and it's getting the
3: right stock and one of nigel's things is any fool can fill a warehouse. So yeah. we've always been very aware of that. And it's making sure that we got the right items at the right price. So, yeah, anyone can go buy can and stick more. stuff in. But, you know, at the end of the day, it depends on the sourcing. I mean, if we can get something overnight and have it here by 8, 9 o'clock the next morning, what's the point of having 200 or something on the shelf when yeah. we know we've got that system in place that we can have it next morning? All right, we might keep
0: 10 or something, but we've got the I distribution a thousand next yeah. week, tomorrow at 7 a.m. Why do I need yeah. more than that?
2: Before I ask you about what you've cocked up, there's a lot of people who are second-gen, second and third-gen business owners coming in, similar to yourselves, have known the business all their life and maybe want to come into the business or are doing their own thing or they're being pulled in by their fathers, brothers, fathers, etc. What do you think Like the key learnings you've found since coming in that if you were talking to someone else who's doing what you're doing, which is like they're nervous, right, I'm coming in now, I'm going to be a second-gen business owner, my mum and dad have set this business up and got it to X level. What advice would you give them to not make mistakes or
3: come in with the right mindset, do you think? I think the first one is respect, I think, isn't it? You know, we've always got on and respected each other's opinions and Nigel and Dave, for instance, have always sort of listened to us and we've always listened to them. I think that's the first part, is is communication really.
0: Definitely. And don't rush it either. It takes time. You can't just do it overnight and I think Dave and I've always said to us as well, it's like, if you don't know, find someone who does. Don't think you can learn it all. Take advice. Because if you don't take advice, it could cost you a lot of money. Over the years, we've taken advice in so many different areas of the business, the five of us, where we didn't have expertise. And I think that's helped us as well because which we're still doing now. And we still do now, yeah. So use the people who have the knowledge in their areas. And don't put yourself under pressure trying to do everything. So respect time to your friends, don't rush it, and get advice from knowledgeable
3: people when you don't know what you're talking about. And surrounding yourself with the right people as well from a staff point of view as well. We've been building a bigger team here now as we grow, but it's getting the right people in the right places, and that's a massive part of it as well. Buying into what we want and how we communicate and deliver results as a team.
2: Good advice, guys.
0: So, yeah, what have you messed up? What's been the worst one? I remember you selling a load of... Um, oh, this what I've a minute. Six-metre random lengths that were randomly under six metres. That had to be exact. I think we still got away with that, didn't we? I don't know. Oh, I think they sat on the shelf for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. was a stainless steel, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we stuck with that for a couple of years. They had to be minimum six-metre lengths. They come in at 5.8, and it was, God knows what stainless and what sizes and seamless, so it cost a fortune and the customer rejected it, and, well, I was just stuck with that, so that was quite an expensive mistake. What else? How about you, Craig? Come on. You, you've got loads, haven't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. I took the forklift <laughs> through the shutters on a Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't good.
2: I did it on our last out, the old unit of ours, took it out, and the last thing to go it was the forklift truck, yeah. and took it out, and the guy, you know, the driver who's picking up the forklift lorry, he just went, Oh dear son, oh dear. <laughs> as the bricks are falling down and you know, you're so angry with yourself. You're like, you know, if someone else had done that, I'd have tore him a new one. I'd have been
0: livid, but it was me. Yeah, I've done that. I've definitely done that. When we first started dealing with George Fisher, they, they've they got a really complex discount structure. I remember just giving away loads of stuff and nothing. Because I didn't understand the, the structure. <laughs> yeah. These orders are just coming in. I'm doing so well. Yeah. And then uh, realizing we're losing about 25%. It happens. Yeah. Learned from a big mistake early on where there was a customer that came on, paid for a lot of stuff up front, asked for an account, and strung us along for a bit too longer than he should have, and did a runner. But that happened early doors and I think that was a good grounding for me because I never let it happen again. As long as you learn from it. Well exactly. Bad, isn't it? No mistake is bad, really. As long as you learn from it. Yeah, that's right. I
3: damaged an enterprise van. That was a nightmare. Yeah.
0: For business purposes or for personal
3: <laughs> business, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped that around a wall, so that was an expensive mistake.
0: But you still got the bed though, haven't you?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm sure we'll hear
1: more about it when we switch up. I thought it, was, thought it was interesting. Yeah, they all are, aren't they? That's why we invite them. You're almost very good at picking the, the people that you know are going to be interesting, Peter.
2: Well, I suppose, I suppose people, when they, when they get on camera, they've got a bit of a... or When they get, um, get on the microphone, they've got a bit of confidence in them, haven't they? They've got something about
1: them. So, well, they've got a, a good team, haven't they? Everyone's yeah. brought into FlowCon. They've got a real good spirit within the office, even when we were walking throughout the business. You know, they've, they're all in it together, aren't they? You know, a real tight-knit team. They do a lot together. They've obviously got a lot of, you know... Yeah, the only thing they haven't got for them is the football team, you know, Sporting Cardiff, but they can't have it all. No, no, that's it. Loads of Cardiff shirts all over loads the loads of ex-West Bromwich Albion players they had all the way around the as I was <laughs> no. walking around. I was like, oh, there's Robert Earnshaw. Yeah, great. That's Romain Sawyers. Oh, yeah, there's, a, you know, it's, like, it's almost like the old West Brom eleven. Jason Kumas. I was loving it. But yeah, it's a real league. They've, they've really come on, haven't they? As a business. They've really, you know. Well, I've
2: that. seen a lot of change. I mean, I used to work with with Craig a number of years back um, and he used to kind of come on to me for the Weird and Wonderfuls. But a lot of their business is weird and wonderful. So, you know, they've got such a broad range, such a broad product offering. They're doing, they're just doing a bit of all sorts. What's been interesting, you know, on my side is, is listening to how they're developing this website. You know, companies kind of tinker around the edges of going, oh, well, we need to do a website, you know. They whacked on 9,000 products onto their website and just went bang, live, done. Um, and they've had some really good success from it straight away, so... They don't tend to mess around, and that's one Mm. of the things I really like about small family-run businesses. They're just
1: well, they're only to me, aren't they? That's what they're. That's what they're about. They decide to do something, they do it, don't they? Mm. And then if it doesn't work out how they think, they learn from it, don't they? But you know, they're not scared of making a decision. They're not scared of making an investment. Mm. And um, yeah, they've got a really good, really good business down there, haven't they? Yeah, it'd be nice. um, Nice if we could have got Matt on instead of him
2: hiding and having a day off, running away for the day. Uh, some people do have the memerals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's episode five of first series done. Yeah. Um, we'll be back same time, same place next Tuesday. Yeah. Actually haven't decided what the sixth one is that we're gonna release at this stage, so that's right, You can't really intro make. it,
1: but yeah, that's it. But uh, yeah, thank you to our sponsors, the UK Metal Expo, Anglo Stainless, AMRON Architectural.
2: Got them
1: right this time. I know. And in the right order. Well done. I know. i will
2: we'll see you For next time. week.
1: Yeah, see you next week. Ciao, ciao.